Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Almighty Father, what a gracious thing it is that you have welcomed us into your presence. For Lord, we do come in here just as we are with guilt and shame and regret and difficulties in our lives, and yet for none of these things do you turn us away. But you welcome us graciously into your presence to forgive us and heal us. And so, Lord, today we pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit to this end, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. We have been working through uh, this Lenten sermon series that we are calling Encounters with Jesus. And what we've seen over the last few weeks is what happens when particular people in particular situations encounter Jesus. Now, up to this point in our series, what we've seen is what happens when Jesus encounters people who are proud and kind of need to be put in their place. So the first week, it wasn't really a a person, well, I guess a person, uh, that Jesus dealt with, but it was the devil. And the devil came to attack Jesus and overthrow Jesus, and what we learned is that when the devil comes attacking, he has nothing to say to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus silences the devil, and he sends him away. In the last week, we saw what happens when someone like Nicodemus, a Pharisee, encounters Jesus. Someone who comes to Jesus and has everything in the world to boast about, uh, everything in the world to be proud of. And what we learned last week is that in our pride, Jesus needs to put our pride to death. So that by means of his gracious word, he can bring our faith to life. And so we've seen these last couple weeks what Jesus does with the proud and the boastful. But this week, we're going to see something different. Because today, we're going to read and learn about how Jesus encounters the woman at the well. And the woman at the well does not encounter Jesus like the devil, where she comes and tries to overthrow him. She's not like Nicodemus, where she comes to Jesus looking for a pat on the back and to be sort of celebrated for all the great things she has done. No, the woman at the well, frankly, doesn't really want to come to Jesus at all. The last thing she is looking for is an encounter with the God of all creation, the Lord and judge of everything, who is there in the flesh at that well, thirsty and looking for a drink of water. You see, the woman at the well goes to the well at the time of day she does to encounter no one. We read in the text it was about the sixth hour that was there in the heat of the day that she goes to that well because, quite frankly, that's the time when you have the least amount of traffic at that well. It's that time of day when you have to deal with the least amount of people. In a sense, it's that time of the day when you can be the most hidden. You go there, you get your water, and you go home. She had no interest in encountering anyone. She wanted to stay hidden because, you see, she lived with shame. And when we're ashamed, we want to hide. We want to be left alone. So what happens when we, just like the woman at the well, encounter Jesus in our shame? Well, this is actually not that easy of a question to answer. Shame is very complicated. Like, it's the opposite of pride. Pride is easy, right? Someone is proud and boastful. They're up front. They want to be seen. And pride is fragile. It's very easy to knock it down. It's very easy to shatter it. 
Shame is different. Shame doesn't want to be out front and seen. As I just mentioned, shame wants to hide. It doesn't want to be noticed. It wants things swept under the rug. Shame is not fragile, but it is strong. It, it, it puts in deep roots. It builds up strong, fortified walls so that nobody can get at Shame uh, is something that is very difficult to undo. And now I've heard different ways people talk about shame. And in fact, today as I was, I was working through this, I, I've noticed that people talk about things uh, like shame and guilt and regret all kind of in the same way. But I, but I have been told that you should really draw a distinction between these three things, between uh, uh, guilt, shame, and regret. Guilt, for example, is what happens when you harm somebody else, when you do something wrong and you feel guilty about what you've done, or even if you don't feel guilty about what you've done, you are guilty for what you have done. Now, when this happens, we don't want it exposed. This is still something we want to have hidden. We don't want our guilt to be broadcast to everybody. We would like to hide that because we're ashamed of it. But guilt, in a sense, then, is different than shame. Shame is how we feel when somebody violates us by word, uh, by uh, action, uh, by, by some sort of physical altercation. There's something that somebody does to make us feel ashamed about ourselves. And so we want to hide because we feel like we lack value. We feel like we're not worthy. And so we are ashamed of ourselves because of what someone else did to us. And, and then, of course, we have regret. And regret is what we feel when we look back at our life and we, we are upset with ourselves for what we have done to ourselves. We look back and we say, you know, if I had only made this decision or if I had taken that course or if I hadn't said those words or if I had only not done this or that, things would be different for me. And in a sense, then we are ashamed of ourselves because of the decisions we have made and oftentimes the bad decisions we have made. So we have these three working together, guilt, shame, and regret. But all of them, it's nice to have these like little distinctions, and I'm sure that's all nice, neat, and clean, but the reality is, is that all of these three are always kind of working together, and you can't really distinguish them that easily, uh, that easily from one from the other. Because so often when somebody shames us, it comes with a great deal of guilt. And undeservedly so, but we start to feel like we're not worthy and we're guilty, like we've done something wrong and we deserve to be shamed. Or when you regret something, so often your regret and your guilt go hand in hand. So often we regret things that we have done sinfully, that we are guilty of. And on and on, it kind of goes. But all of these things, what they have in common is this, is we want them hidden. We don't want them seen. We don't want people to know what happened to us. We don't want people to know uh, what we have done to them or to ourselves. We are ashamed, and we want it to hide. And yet we can't avoid it. Everybody knows what it's like to feel this mixed bag of emotions. Everybody knows what it's like to go through these things. I mean, every parent knows what it's like when your kids come and they blame you for the things that are wrong in their lives. You start to feel guilty and ashamed and regret the things you've done, deservedly or not. Every spouse knows what it's like to wish you could take back that word that hurt and changed everything. Every divorced person knows what it's like 
to be both guilty, but also to suffer because of a former spouse. Every addict knows what it's like to be, be, uh, uh, to be beyond the ability to prevent yourselves from doing harmful things to yourselves and to others. And you just wish you could, you could just hide it. All of us live in this world where we are sinning and we are sinned against. And we just wish we could hide it. And this is the worst part of it, is, is, is how we, we just thought it would be different. We didn't think things were, go, we were going to go that direction. We had this picture of what the ideal life was going to be like. We had this picture in our mind about how everything was going to work out great. And we were sold a bill of goods that said if you just make all the right decisions and you do everything the right way, you're going to have the perfect life. And then when our life doesn't look like that, the guilt and the shame and the, the regret set in. We were told, happy spouse, successful job, good kids that grow up to be fine Christians, we just need that and we'll have everything figured out. And then we made that choice. Then we spoke those words. Then that person came in and, and they ruined everything. I mean, we don't want to talk about it. We want to hide it away. We want to pretend it away. We want to sweep it under the rug and be left alone. Living in our shame. Wishing things weren't the way they are. And so we get it. The woman at the well going in the heat of the day. And, and we're sort of with her in that heat of the day when no one else is around. This way we don't have to think about our shame. We don't have to deal with our guilt. She goes there at this time of day so she doesn't have to confront anybody and encounter anybody with this. She goes there this time of the day so at least maybe at this time she doesn't have to deal with her shame and her guilt. And yet, as the sun beats down on the back of her neck, she knows exactly why she's going at that time. She knew her situation. And we learned about it today as well in the Gospel. She was living in sin. She was living with someone she wasn't married to. And living together outside of marriage was a sin then, and it is still a sin uh, even today. And she knew it. Further, this wasn't the first man uh, she had been with. We are told that she had been married five times prior to this. Now, we don't know much about any of those marriages, why she was no longer married to those five other men, whether it was divorce or death. or We, we don't know any of it. But according to the Jewish laws, now she was a Samaritan, but according to the Jewish laws, uh, you were only allowed as a woman to be married three times at most. Typically, two was what was expected, or allowed, not expected, but allowed. Five would have made you in bad, would have put you in a very bad light, would have made you, would have, they would have considered this a great scandal. Certainly something she would want hidden. But not only is she guilty of these sorts of things, she also had little choice. After all, she lived in a culture where women were, uh, had little recourse for livelihood without a husband. So it was guilt and shame, but she needed to eat. She needed water. She needed to be taken care of. So those were her options. Yet hiding was still easier for her. The worst thing she could have imagined that day is having to encounter somebody to deal with all of this. And yet the worst thing that she could have imagined becomes the best thing that ever happened to her. For in her shame, she encounters Jesus. Jesus, who knew everything she had ever done. See, with Jesus, there's no place to hide. Jesus meets us 
where we want to hide. And he exposes the reality of all that we are ashamed of. So, so notice what he does here. He goes to this woman who is, again, he's a, she's a, a Samaritan and he's a Jew, and he asks her to give her some water from the well because he is thirsty. And it's an odd request, and uh, especially with these two cultures that don't get along with each other. So she says to him, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. This doesn't, we, we don't talk to each other. We don't have dealings with each other. And then he tells her, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who was speaking to you, you would be asking me for water. And there's a whole bunch of confusion, and we're not going to go through all the text here today. But ultimately, Jesus gets to the point where he says these words. Everyone who drinks of this water, speaking of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Wait, you got water that's going to quench my thirst forever? You got water that I can take home and I don't ever have to come out in the heat of the day anymore? I don't have to deal with my guilt and my shame? I can just stay inside and have this water and not have to think about all of this? Yes, Sign me up for that. Get me the filter system. Get me the delivery guy with the, with the big jug. Like, that's the water that I want. Bring it on. And Jesus says, great. Now, go call your husband and come here. He won't let her hide. He won't let her hide. He knows. He knows all. She goes on to say, I have no husband. And Jesus is like, yes, I know. And let me fill in the rest for you. <laughs> You have no husband. You've been married five times. I know all of it. That's what it is for us. He knows all of it. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you did to them. He knows what happened that night. He knows what went on in that situation. He knows why you're ashamed of your guilt. He also knows what happened. He knows what they did to you. He knows the hurt. He knows the pain. He knows how you were treated. Psalm 139 says it this way, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you can't hide he's there and he knows and he won't let us hide in our shame but notice how jesus handles this today and notice what jesus does when he encounters shame one of the things that comes with shame of course is fear i mean why are we trying to hide these things why don't we want them exposed because we're afraid if we get if we get seen we're afraid that if we're exposed, we'll be rejected, we'll be unloved, we will be unwelcomed. But that's not what Jesus does here. He looks at the woman at the well and he says, go get your husband and come here. Go get the man that you're living with and come back to me. Because Jesus is saying to her, here, uh, to her I'm not here to reject you. I'm not here to shame you. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't pile on. He's like, I know you're living with a man. That's why I'm not giving you the living water. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm not here to sort of just 
deal with you according to your sins, but probably better said, I'm here to deal with your sins. Not just to define you by your past, but to give you a new life. I'm not here to treat you the way they treat you. I'm here to give you living water. I'm here to give you, Jesus is in essence saying, myself and my unrelenting love and forgiveness for you. And I think that this is what Jesus would say to us today when he encounters us in our guilt and our regret and in our shame. You who are ashamed of what you have done, Jesus says to you today, bring your sin here to me. I'm taking it away from you. And I'm telling you now, it is gone. Forgiven. I will not hold it against you any longer. It's the lack of sleep, guys. That's just what it is. Sorry. I will not hold it against you any longer because I held it against myself on the cross and I died for it. And you're forgiven. Welcome into my presence. And to you who are full of regret here today, Jesus says, bring your past here to me all that sin, all that guilt, all that shame, all that frustration that weighs down on you and you can't seem to get over it. You seem to think that's who you were, that's who you are, but listen, I don't define you that way. I have given you new life in the water of your baptism. You are not defined by your sin. You are a beloved child of God. I chose you for eternal life and joy. I don't think about your past anymore, says Jesus. I took the record that stood against you and I nailed it to the cross and I blotted it out with my blood and I simply love you. And to you today who have suffered, who have been made to feel shame by the harsh and condemning words and actions of others, Jesus says, come to me. There's no one here to condemn you and if they show up, I will condemn them. Rise up. And come have a seat with me, for I have given you a seat in heavenly places. Jesus says to you, I fill the hungry with good things, the thirsty are, giving, are given living water, and I am giving you, yes you, my undying love and affection because I have died and risen for you. Jesus exposes all that shames us, all that we are ashamed of, so that he can forgive it and heal it. And he forgives you, and he's healed you. Now in our gospel reading today, uh, we don't get to the end of the story, but this is like one of the great endings of, the, of the, these accounts in the scriptures. At the end of this conversation, the woman uh, is no longer ashamed. She actually runs back into the village. The next thing you read about is how she runs back into the village and she starts saying to everybody with an earshot, come see this man who told me everything I've ever done. I mean... <laughs> Everything she's ever done is the very stuff she's ashamed of. And now she's like, yeah, 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 that's just the part of the story that got me to the good news of my forgiveness and my healing. Now come see this guy. He could be the Messiah. You're like, oh, you think he very well could be? And she starts bringing the village out with her. And they come and they believe because they drink the living water as well. Jesus set her free. Jesus exchanged her shame with his forgiveness and his love. And now she can no longer keep Christ hidden. 
Because when Jesus encounters us in our shame, He will not hide Himself. And He will not hide His love for you. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give You thanks for the forgiveness, life, and salvation which You have granted to us by Your grace alone. And we ask You this day, Lord Jesus, to keep us in Your care. Help us always to know that our shame is gone and that, our love, that Your love is ours. We ask this in your name. Amen. Having heard the word